You're listening to Sound the Foghorn, the Minnesota Wild podcast made by fans for fans. For Kaprizov, back to Zuccarello, back to Kaprizov, he scores! Covering team news, prospect analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, advanced stats, and much more. Back to Kaprizov, he scores! And now, here are your hosts, Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, and Justin Baki. Hello, and welcome in to another episode of Sound the Foghorn. Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, and Justin Baki here with you on the eve of the NCAA hockey tournament and the sweet 16 of the basketball tournament i think too uh the wild continuing to roll pick up their first regulation loss in the last 17 games uh since we last recorded but found two other wins sandwiched on either side of that things are great points in 16 of the last 17 the vibes are immaculate we're gonna talk matt boldy we're gonna talk the fourth line we'll talk some ncaa tourney tonight should be a fun show may even return to a little fun game at the end something we haven't done on this show in quite some time but before we get into all that gotta check in with the fellas justin how are things going tonight oh not too bad i kind of feel like but something's going around the house i think the kids got me sick but uh doing uh, pretty well beyond that always excited for the ncaa hockey tourney to start and uh, like you mentioned, just uh, immaculate vibes with how we're playing. It's it's been uh, fun, fun, a lot of fun hockey going on. Yeah, a much less stressful tournament to watch when you have no, <laughs> no yes. real like right. team at stake to to lose a game. So one hundred percent, no UMD this year. So that's right. It's a rebuilding year. Yeah, I'll chill. <laughs> yeah, it's a rebuilding year. <laughs> yeah, it is. Retooling. Zeke, how are you? No, just uh, hanging out, working all that. Uh, you know, looking forward to the weekend. It'll be nice tomorrow for. Speed of college hockey, wild at 5.30 in Philly, and then Gophers are on at 8. So anyone's Gopher fan or just wants to watch, it'll line up pretty perfectly for you to get the doubleheader in tomorrow night, which is always uh, cool to have. To, but like you know, like I said last week, just lots of, lots of hockey to watch, so it should be fun. Awesome. Well, before we get – we'll talk more NCAA toward the end of the show. We'll get to the wild stuff first, and as we always do, uh, Justin, we will kick it over – uh, to you to talk about the uh, wild prospects. All right, sounds good. <clears throat> uh, we'll start with Iowa. They swept San Diego this past week, this past weekend. Whatever, I'm losing track of my days. Uh, anyways, <laughs> last night they played. They were down three nothing after the first period. Ended up scoring three goals in the second period and one in a shootout. Marco Rossi uh, picked up an assist in that one, extended his point streak to eight games. Uh, fresh off, you know picking up a hat trick he's been playing really really good lately um another thing with iowa is their power play has scored a power play goal in six straight games so that's clicking and uh yeah i I can't i think rossi has like 14 points in that eight eight game streak or something like that so he's he's playing really really good hockey wasn't he named uh he's player of the week right yeah that's it that's it too hl player of the week so uh awesome yeah He's, he's uh, playing well. Then uh, I'll kind of move on over to the KHL. Danila, you're off. Do we know what's wrong with the what kind of injury Beckman has? I just saw that he was – You know, I, I didn't see it. I missed that game, but I, I, I it's a vague like – Well, yeah, they won't tell you. Upper body type thing. I, I okay. Yeah, it's, I haven't seen what the injury is, though. I just know he's been out a couple games now, so – Hopefully he's not out too too long. Yeah, but I'll try and keep my eyes out on that. They always vague about injuries. Though. Oh yeah, they are. Uh, and then yeah, like like I was saying, uh, Daniil Yurov, he's been getting more time on ice with with Metalurg. He got thirteen and a half minutes last game, and picked up four shots on goal. His team is down three to nothing in the series. So perfect. Um, and then in Ev, I can't talk. <laughs> and. Whatever, it seems like they're gonna be down. Uh, they're they're gonna lose the series. English is hard tonight. Um, Vladislav Firstov and Murat, who's Nadinov, 
the other teams were facing each other in the quarterfinals here, and who's Nadina picked up the game tie and assist today. Uh, SKA ended up winning and winning the series four to nothing. So Vladislav first off season is over. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. He had a pretty good season, twenty six points in forty seven regular season games, and then four points in the ten playoff games. So um, yeah, he was loaned to Torpedo. So we'll see kind of what happens if he returns to Iowa or what happens with him. So yeah, didn't leave on the the best of graces. So no. yeah, it'll be interesting, but. Yeah, I don't know how that would all work because he's technically still in R. Is he in RFA? I think so. I, think. I don't know yeah, if he's under contract or I haven't even looked into that. I but thought yeah, he was still under his entry level contract. Yeah, but I think I he is too. So, yeah, that'll be interesting to see if you know if he stays, leaves, whatever. Seems like he had fun over there. So who knows? Maybe he yeah. was. Yeah, I'll right. gonna stay here. Who knows? Well, maybe it's somewhere he comes back and then we trade him in the off season before the draft or something. Who knows? But he, he he did well for himself over there. He does have two years left on his rookie deal. Okay. I guess three. Trade chip, maybe. Although, I'll, I'll, I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing him play in Iowa, though. He would help them out tremendously, I think. But Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> uh, then Caden Bank here, fresh off being uh, the prospect page, is player of the week. Had like eight points in two games and uh, a That's ton really of points. Great. Recently picked up two more assists last night. He's up to 82 points in 54 games, and he'll be playing tonight as well. So uh, just a tremendous season for him. Uh, Liam Ugren picked up an assist the other day. Drew uh, Gardens is in the playoffs now. Their team is up 2 to nothing. So um, it'll be interesting to see how those playoffs go. I haven't had many updates from him, but I think they are transitioning from regular season to playoffs. So. A lot of playoffs are beginning, which means that page is probably going to be slowing down quite a bit until draft time once this all all ends. And then uh, <clears throat> we'll touch on it later. The NCAA tournament is beginning tomorrow, as mentioned. We have four players in the tournament, but we'll talk about that a little later on. And then the last thing I wanted to bring up was uh, the Wild have interest in Western, Western Michigan forward uh, Jason Poland. Seems like a lot of teams have interest in him, but... Uh, that's going to happen when you scored the most goals in the country, even though you're a 23 year old, uh, still that's, that bodes well, could be a good AHL fit for a team and, and kind of see what he does. Um, ended up with five hat tricks this season and he's a top 10 finalist for the Hobie Baker was named the NCHC player of the year and forward of the year. So a good get for whoever ends up landing him. Yeah, because he's a college free agent, no eligibility to play in the playoffs, so don't think that would factor into his decision. So, you know, would probably like to play games this year, I would assume. Um, burn the, or you know, for sure burn that first year, which you know the Wilds will talk here in a little bit. Maybe not be the best fit in terms of that scenario, but you look long term. Is is he a center wing? I think he's right wing. Right wing. So yeah, right shot wing. You know, can never have too many of those. So. He'll be highly coveted, but you know what we've heard. You know how much you know players enjoy playing here. The culture Bill Guerin builds. You know was able to get Sammy Walker to come here last year. Granny, he's a hometown kid, played for the Gophers, so maybe a little bit different scenario. But you know, always good to see at the Wild at least. You know, having those conversations, looking to bring in you know more young talent. That's never ever uh, a bad thing. And as you mentioned, you know, could be a great player to plug in and maybe you know get a shot in your you know the uh iowa's arm um as they continue to make a push for the playoffs so i'll uh, have to monitor that they are in the ncaa tournament so much like brock faber i uh, would be eligible to sign once and whenever their season ends yep. all right well let's get next into uh our game recaps here uh, three games since uh, we last recorded, of course, coming off the uh, chaotic 8-5 St. Louis win. The Wild uh, host the Boston Bruins uh, without some pretty significant pieces in the lineup. Ultimately fall a little bit short in this one. 5-2 final score of the game, probably a little bit closer than what that score would suggest. Get two goals uh, called back from offsides, probably the right call, uh, but nonetheless still kind of sucks uh, when you're that close and... Uh, you get a goal taken away. Um, the Wild actually played pretty decent at 5-on-5 five five in this one. Actually finished the game with the expected goal advantage, 3.25 to 2.97. Shots relatively close, 38 for the Bruins, 31 
for the Wild. Um, Kaelin Addison draws in in this one with Jake Middleton uh, still sick. Um, Sam Steele was in for the injured Marcus Foligno. Sammy Walker um, also played in this game as well. Um, we've seen some guys kind of shuffling in out of the lineup, but those guys coming in making okay impacts. Goal scores in this one, uh, Marcus Johansson has been playing really, really well. Uh, picks up a goal and an assist in this one. Oscar Sundquist picks up a goal on the power play as well, and that's about all I can tell you about the game is from what is on the stat sheet because I didn't get to watch it. Neither did Justin, so Zeke, you were the only one of the three of us who got to actively tune into this game uh, and see more than just the highlights. Mm -hmm. What were your takeaways uh, from the Wilds matchup with the likely President's Trophy-winning Boston Bruins? Yeah, well, like you uh, you know said, a lot closer uh, than maybe 5-2 score would indicate. Obviously, one of those is an empty netter, so you know, in a way you could look at it at the maybe at the most 4-2. But yeah, especially the first period, you know, uh, I think it was Matt Bolt. Uh, was it Bolt or Johansson? I'm trying to let me look. Uh, to the box again quickly. You know, Dumba had one taken away. I think it might have been Johansson that got there. Yeah, taken yeah, it was Johansson was first. It was from a, Boldy, maybe from Boldy and yeah. Eck. Yeah, it was a really nice play. Just kind of, it, it was a little bit like their some of their goals. What their goal against Washington, tic tac toe, kind of three four passes in a row after Johansson back door, kind of a partial tap in. So that was really nice. But you know, especially the first period, Wild were really good. You know, they really were bringing it to. Boston, you know, they, they weren't certainly dominating them, but they were, you know, skating well, uh, handling the puck well, you know, didn't allow Boston's top guns really to do anything. And then obviously, like Brett mentioned just a second ago, the uh, Matt Dumba goal that was waved off uh, with about a few minutes left in the first period that, you know, would have made it 2 nothing and really, you know, made it hard on Boston. Obviously, you, you, like, you know, any goal is a huge turning point, but especially in that game, it's kind of, uh, you know, kept it potentially from going off the rails a little bit. And then obviously Boston tied it late that period. And then kind of in the second period, they, you know, took a little bit, took the game a bit over at that point. Uh, I believe they did score a power play goal. Pasternak had a snipe from kind of the right circle there in almost the Ovechkin spot. And, you know, they just were starting to show why they're the best team in the league this year by far. And, you know, while we're necessarily bad at that point either, but there was just didn't have the puck as much, uh, you know, weren't really scoring. And then obviously once you got to the third period down two, it's kind of a tough spot, but, you know, they did, you know, they did put up a good fight there. Sunquist got the, uh, you know, the power play goal to cut it to three, two with about 12 minutes left. Which was notable, obviously, because uh, they they started the second unit, and you know, I'm sure you guys saw Dinos and said when asked, you know, why did you put the first unit out there? He said, well, plainly they weren't just weren't very good, uh, so they decided to, you know, the second power play unit actually got some time uh, in the prime spot, which was good to see, you know, them capitalize, and then you know, like Russo had kind of said this, or, or one of them, him or Joe Smith, based on the article that, you know, at that point in the game, you could tell the energy in the building was starting to get up. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, they had a couple good chances, you know, just quite, couldn't quite connect. Then, uh, you know, Patrice Bergeron, I believe it was, scored to make it 4-2 there and pretty much put the game away on a nice play. Got lost right in the slot and just hammered it home past uh, Gustafson to, you know, obviously put the game out of reach. So, you know, disappointing loss, but, you know, there's certainly nothing you could fault their effort for. And, and they certainly played very hard and, you know, looked very competent against a great team and you know obviously looking competent and be able to keep up is not what the goal is but you know for if you consider it a measuring stick game even though they didn't win i think you know there was a lot yeah i mean uh, to, a lot to like, so. yeah to have you know keep the shots close have the expected goals advantage without Kirill kaprizov without jonas yeah. brodine without jake middleton without True. marcus felino I mean, that's pretty, it's got to yeah, make you feel pretty good. good. I mean, you add those four back in the lineup, and I think you know that's potentially a very, a very, very different game um, in that one with you know with with what those guys bring, uh, which we saw Jonas Brodin uh, come back mm -hmm. in the next game of the weekend, second of the back to back afternoon matinees. This one against the Washington Capitals, a pretty good game from the Wild. In this yeah. one, start to finish, they walk away with a 5-3 to three win. Uh, goals in this one, of course. Matt Boldy picks up the hat trick. Marcus Johansson, two assists on those. Brandon Duhame gets back on the score sheet in his first game back. 
Um, and then Ryan Reeves, uh, the scoring machine, um, <laughs> added another goal as well in this one. Uh, also assists in the game to Ryan Hartman, Jules Eriksson Eck, Freddie Goudreau, Oscar Sundquist, as well as Mason Shaw. The Wild in this one outshoot the Caps 40 to 36, out attempted them 60 to 53, held the Caps to just five high danger chances, had 15 of their own, 3.86 to 3.19 advantage in expected goals as well. So, as we mentioned, a complete kind of dominating game start to finish. Uh, was nice. They got pretty much everybody back in this one, um, except for Felino. But we saw Duhame come back. We saw uh, Jonas Brodin rejoin the lineup. Jake Middleton was back from sickness, so got a lot of big names back. Uh, Jonas Brodin didn't miss a beat in this one. Um, didn't pick up any points, but I believe he led all players a nice time. Uh, him and Dumma finished with a 91% expected goals share. I think that was across. I think like 15 or 16 minutes together. Um, primarily playing against one of the Capitals' top lines, so not missing a beat. He looked, you know, just like his old self, which was a really, really good sign. Uh, but obviously, the story in this one: Matt Boldy, the hat trick, second of his career. Um, some some great goals in this one off a tic tac toe play, a breakaway. Just did everything right in this game. Um, he continues to play well. So uh, excellent game here. So we can uh, we'll flip it over to you guys here before we maybe talk some specific pieces. Just on your thoughts to a pretty nice win over what was a very desperate Washington Capitals team. Yeah, I feel like this is the ball that we needed with <clears throat> Kaprizov going down, getting injured. The the ball that we've been kind of waiting on through the slump. Not a bad season at all, but he could have had five goals in this game. Mm -hmm. uh, he had the two breakaways scoring on one of them, and then uh, I think he hit the post on an open net. Yeah. Like just chucked it down the ice and just missed by centimeters whatever but um not only that he's he's really chucking the puck at the net he had six shots in the game and uh the next night in new jersey not next night next game uh, he had five so he's not just uh scoring like three goals on three shots he's he's firing the puck at the net and kind of becoming that 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 shooter that we want him to see uh more often um no this was a, a really good game you know, up to nothing, really dominant. Vashkin scores, and then Reeves comes back a few minutes later, puts up three to one. We got four to one. I don't think this game was as close as the five to three score. No, the, and the third goal, you know, Washington gets with the net empty. Yeah. The Wild, I think, thought about challenging it, but ultimately, at the time, they were they were up three. That made them go up two, and it probably just wasn't worth the risk of. Well, if we're wrong here, you know, right. now we're. Now it's five three and they're on a power play. So I and with the luck yeah. they've had, you know, over their last nine, um, one way or the other, they probably said at eh, best to let that go. Yeah. I think it probably would have been called back, but um, hard to say for sure because they just spin well, because, wheel. But because the uh, you know Ovechkin had the his two power play goals were pretty much the only offense they could. Uh, yeah, that was their team that game. So you don't want to obviously put him out there. Yeah, not only that, but uh, it was kind of funny to see Mason Shaw. A uh, few inches shorter than uh, who was he fighting Matt against? Matt Irwin. Matt Irwin, that's the name. I couldn't think of it, yeah. but uh, he 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 did well for himself on that. Just that farm everything boy went strength. well that night. Just yeah, farmer strength is exactly what it is. Just a little, little Tasmanian devil. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, any thoughts yeah. for you? No, I mean, I think, you know, like Justin was talking about with Boldy, you know, shooting the puck card, that was, I think they kind of talked about it post-game of, you know, how they had kind of told to me to be a little bit more selfish. And, you know, you could tell, you know, especially in the power play earlier this year that, you know, when they set him up for one-timers kind of on the dot there or just, you know, get him the puck, there was, you know, the shot just, you know, maybe sometimes he was trying for tips and redirects and all that, but it just didn't seem like he was – at least didn't have the confidence to really just let it go. And I mean, you saw, like Justice talked about on the, uh, the the first goal on that tic-tac-toe, just, you know, got the pass for the one-timer, didn't hesitate and hammered it in. And then obviously on the breakaway, you know, picked it just underneath the blocker. Really nice shot. Uh, no second thought about it. So, I mean, you know, like obviously everyone knows if, if you got confidence when you get on a hot streak like this, uh, you know, it, it comes really easy. But, it, you know, that was the probably the biggest thing, obviously, as everyone knows, just to see him, you know, really, uh, like I said, step up and be the man that game for the Wild. Yeah, and Matt Boley just on a heater right now up to a six-game point streak, so perfectly in line with that Kaprizov injury. Six goals, four assists, 10 points. 
a plus six rating. The underlying numbers are a little more suspect, a 47% Corsi share and a 48.7% expected goal share, most of that being weighed down. Um, I think by the St. Louis game where things were so chaotic, you can almost just throw out the analytics in that one. Um, but aside from that, just from an individual standpoint, he had eight attempts and two shots um, against Boston. Um, and then the Washington game, he finishes with 10 shots, five of those – or 10 shot attempts, five of those high danger attempts, six shots on goal, three goals, 1.39 individual expected goals. And then if you go to our final game of the stretch – um, last night's game in New Jersey, Boley finishes again with 10 attempts, one of those high danger. Um, obviously, that was probably the game winner. Um, five shots on goal and a goal on that one. So he's it, definitely shooting the puck more. Um, and, you know, it, it's, I think, basic knowledge. If you shoot more, you're going to score more. But Zeke, as you alluded to, and as the coaching staff has alluded to, he's shooting with some purpose, right? I think, you know, mm-hmm. Boley's been you know famous for, for missing the net. We're seeing him put pucks on net. Um, he rang another one off the crossbar, like just square last night um, on a breakaway. He's had another couple other really good looks. Um, and, you know, we said he needed to step up with Kirill Kaprizov out. And I think he's done pretty much everything you could have asked for him in terms of the way, you know, he's just seemingly taking over games, taking over shifts. I mean, right off the hop last night in New Jersey, the first shift, I mean, you could just tell he's just kind of, oozing this confidence the way he's carrying pucks, the way he's, you know, not necessarily looking to make that extra pass. He's looking to get the puck on net. Um, And obviously it helps when you're scoring goals, you're going to play more confident. But, you know, maybe this is just kind of the spark he needs. And, you know, if you can have the Boldy line going, all of a sudden you get Kaprizov back, inject Nyquist into your, you know, third or maybe even fourth line at this point. Um, You know, it spells really good things for this team moving forward because, for so much of this season, it's been kind of a, a one-line team, and we've seen that you know sort of flip here in the last six games. Justin and I, I think, both tweeted something out um, about just kind of the depth scoring this team is getting. I think it's 14 different players yeah. um, have scored a goal um, since Kaprizov went down. I think previously in the 12 games prior, um, I think I actually have the graphic here. Uh, in the 12 games prior, um, that number was nine. Um and only four players had two or more goals in that span. So, you know, mm-hmm. tons of guys, and nine of them, um, or six of them, excuse me, have scored multiple in this, you know, that five-game stretch. Um, that was prior to, I believe, the uh, New Jersey game. Uh, that was all Sunday night stuff. But, yeah. you know, great stuff. Uh, Matt Boldy just, you know, making that 7x7 seven seven look better and better by the day. No, for sure. Um, and then briefly, we touched on a little bit here. Last night's game uh, against the New Jersey Devils, the Wild uh, come out in this one two to one. This game pretty solid, pretty boring through the first forty five minutes. Probably you know it was a Jacques Lemaire dream as two former teams tight checking, couple good scoring chances here and there, um, but not a ton giving either way. And then the fourth line for Minnesota comes through again. Mason Shaw gets a wraparound goal. Wild go up one nothing. Felt like you know that it could have been that type of game where that would have been enough to win the game. Wild, I think maybe got bought into that a little bit too much. Started just to defend, defend, defend. New Jersey relentless on the attack. I think finished with like twenty two or something third period shots. Uh, Philip mm-hmm. Gustin able to turn away all but one of those. Uh, Timo Meyer banks one in off his uh, off the bottom of his pad into the net, tie the game. Game goes to overtime, crazy back and forth. Probably lots there's uncalled penalties both ways. And with seconds left in the clock, who else? Matt Boley gets a puck after Jack Hughes rings the post, goes down with tank on E, um, like basically in cruise control of the gas station at this point. Uh, makes the Koivu forehand, backhand move, lifts it up, and with you know less than two seconds on the clock, buries his sixth goal in as many games. Wild get the overtime win despite being pretty badly outplayed. Most of the third period, a good chunk of the overtime, but ultimately, as a matter, they get the win in the end. Uh, you know, as exciting as a two-one game probably can be, especially uh, that overtime was filled with chances. Yeah, the first two periods, like you mentioned, were really boring. Just zero-zero game after two, and then it's like the the floodgates open. It was a whole different <clears throat> game in the third period, even though there was one goal aside. It was just uh, almost back and forth, and like you said, New Jersey was was. <laughs> hammering on us for a bit there but uh yeah i, I lost my mind when boldly scored one second left i, I was watching on my phone 
And then I think my TV was like 30 seconds behind. So after he scored, I turned it to the TV to watch it again. Just It was just a, a fun game to watch. And then, yeah, this is in my head. This is, you know, some of the playoff games are, we're, we're going to play. These are the type of games you got to win like that. And it bodes well that we did it against one of the top teams in the East this year. And without some of these guys in the lineup, it's just uh, these guys are getting confidence and and uh, saying uh, basically showing them that they can do it even without Kaprizov. And then when he we comes back, it's just gonna be cherry on the top. So um, it, it's just fun to watch. Yeah, no. yeah, no, it was a, I mean, it was awesome because the second there because how gassed he was, he didn't know if you know Boldy was even gonna get the shot off at time. It was like you know he said afterward that. He's glad he didn't uh, see how much time's left. Otherwise, he wouldn't have tried the back end. I mean, I was yelling at the TV, "Shoot the puck!" And then it's like, "Oh, never mind. Okay, don't 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 listen to stupid fan sitting in his living room." But yeah, so that was obviously you know, I was really excited, especially after Jack Hughes, you know, like you mentioned, nailed the post to the other end, and it just, you know, like they said, I was watching the New Jersey video recap, and you know, they're like, it was a nice rebound off the post, basically halfway down the ice to find Matt Boldy there skating all alone for obviously for the game winning goal. Just really nice move. Like Brett mentioned, but I think, you know, we talked another key part of this game, you know, we talked last week about, you know, the penalty kill and kind of some of their struggles. I mean, they were, you know, three for three this game, including two in the last 10 minutes and, you know, the Dumba roughing penalty with about three and a half left, you know, really got them did a really good job. I mean, Brett mentioned Jonas Brodeen earlier looking really good. He was, a big part of that, obviously, last night, like he always is, but yeah, that especially was, uh... without Jared Spurgeon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I completely, you know, completely forgot that that he, you know he got sick or something before the game. I think yeah. is what Damn remember. So. I know. So hopefully, <laughs> hopefully that's like, not moving to the locker. That would not. be shitty. Yeah, we don't need that right now. But yeah, no, that was. I think that was huge. Uh, to that was good to see last night them come up big, uh, late in a tight game like that. Uh, and I also forgot to mention, I don't know if you're going to bring it up, Brett, but uh, the fact that Gustafson played out of his mind once again, stopping yeah. a career-high 47 shots out of 48 attempts. It was right. just... Yeah, finishes the game yeah, 3.53, yeah. goal save above expected. That's the most by a wild goaltender this season, and a good chunk of that came third period overtime. I mean, he was just great again. And this is a guy who felt like he was fighting the puck earlier in the game, said he felt like he was playing with two blockers and still gave up one goal. Like, he's just so unfazed. Like, I, I just, it amazes me because if that was any other goalie, you know, they're going to get in their own head, and all of a sudden one gets by him, and I'm like, oh, here I go. You know, it's going to be one of those games for me. But what does Gustafson do? He shakes it off, bats up, you know, finally gets one in the glove, bats it down in frustration, and from that point on was just, you know, back to the old Gustafson we've seen. You know, on that slight two-game skid, you know, where he gave up probably a couple more goals than he wanted to, and then just right back into form. It's just he – it's unreal what Philip Gustafson just continues to do. Yeah, no, he was uh, great. And I mean, I would even think that, you know, the Boston game, obviously, too, he let up four goals, but he looked much more, mm-hmm. uh, you know, solid at least and still made some big saves. But, yeah, no, obviously – I mean, I tweeted it that I didn't realize that he had made – 47 saves you know until after i looked at it because it's like i don't even remember there being 40 shots total on the entire game after just watching the first two periods so but yeah wrapped him up yeah nothing nothing but great things about say about him and i think 21 of those were from jack hughes and uh talking (laughs) hamilton so (laughs) crazy stuff um the other kind of big storyline um from this stretch of games is just the continued excellent play of the Wilds fourth line. I mean, you look at this right now, Mason Shaw, Connor Dewar, Ryan Reeves, three guys who, when Gus Nyquist, Kirill Kaprizov, Marcus Foligno, you know, all these guys are healthy again. They're probably on the ballot to be the first three guys out of the lineup, but they're going to make things really, really difficult because the way that trio is playing right now um, just can't be overlooked. You know, obviously Ryan Reeves scoring machine right now. Three goals since Kaprizov went down. Uh, Mason Shaw up to three goals and let's see, one, two, three assists in his last one, two, three, four, in his last seven games. Um, Connor Dewar, I think, relatively similar to that as well. Um, and obviously can't be overstated. You know, granted the penalty kill has been a little more shoddy lately, but you know, for much of this season, the importance of Connor Dewar and Mason Shaw, that duo. 
um, on the penalty kill, like, you know, this was a line that we never really looked at for offense and all of a sudden are yeah. finding ways to put pucks in the net at, you know, key times too. You know, the Reeves goal, I think one of his is a, a go-ahead goal. Shaw breaks open the ice. Uh, I think another Shaw goal, um, you know, was kind of the, the fuel that started the fire in St. Louis. You know, another one empty netter that kind of seals the deal. Um, you know, it's not just, you know, these Mickey Mouse goals. Either. They're, they're goals in, in big moments, you know, and this is in limited ice time too. I mean, they're still getting, you know, around 10 to 12 minutes of ice time a game. But, I mean, they're making this really, really difficult in a good way uh, for mm-hmm. the coaching and management staff to decide who's going to play when this team's healthy. Um, hard to take any of my lineup right now just with how well they've been playing. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we've – it is tough. I mean, obviously, I think – you know, I think Connor Dewar is probably pretty safe. I don't think he's been really scratched all year long. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he's, you know, the main guy in the penalty kill. And, you know, like you mentioned, Reeves obviously isn't going to keep scoring, we don't think. Uh, you know, that would be pretty funny if he did. But, <laughs> you know, even so, you know, I guess you would think naturally he's the candidate. But, you know, that again, they traded for him and he hasn't really came out this year. So, you know, it's I would assume it's probably, you know, even if it's not. I mean, to think Everson said it, it's. You know, it's not really going to be 100% fair to whoever comes out because, you know, they have like three extra NHL guys pretty much. So, you know, I'm guessing it would be Mason Shaw just because he's seemingly he's been the guy who's came in and out of the lineup the last few months. But, you know, I don't know. It's, you know, it's, it's going to be tough because, like you said, a lot of the guys they traded for, like, you know, you're not going to take, I don't think you're going to take Sunquist out of the lineup now that he's looked pretty good mm-hmm. on that third line. Yeah. Obviously he's not taking Gaudreau out. So, no, and I know, think, I guess, and I think Brandon Duhame, just the speed physical, physical, you know, nature yeah, that he brings. Um, you know, I think he's looked really good. I think they have used him on the penalty kill. You've seen Joe, mm-hmm. you know, we're seeing some other guys get kind of worked into the penalty kill, which I think still leans me toward, okay, who, you know, trying to figure out who can we, you know, who's going to play over Shaw in that spot. I think Mason Shaw, and I, I think it's going to be Sean Reeves potentially, but mm-hmm. it's just, it's so hard to say. And, you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing when you have, you know, a, a fifth line that would probably be, you know, playing on 75% of the teams in the league. And arguably you have a sixth line with Rossi Beckman and Walker and Iowa, who are all, you know, guys that are probably capable to play in the NHL right now too. So, you know, the wild, not, not short of, of a uh, hashtag depth, um, you know, of NHL players and, you know, all of a sudden that depth is scoring now too, which makes it, you know, all that more threatening. Um, maybe if you're looking for one kind of telltale sign and maybe Reeves getting pulled from the lineup, played just seven minutes and 45 seconds against the Bruins um, and probably mm-hmm. was a very playoff type atmosphere um, where the wild might be chasing. So, you know, if that says anything, no shots yep. in that one either. Um, don't think he was fighting anyone. So, yeah, we'll see. It'll be interesting, but, you know, that – it's great to see, you know, those guys maybe a f- little bit of a fire lit under their ass. Like, hey, I, I know, you know, e- every game I play right now might be the last one I play for a couple weeks. So I'm going to keep playing that way. And, um, you know, great to see him getting rewarded for it. Um, the other thing, and I didn't run this by at the top of the show because I just remembered it about halfway through. Um, I got a pretty good question um, on Twitter from Captain Awesome at Wildologist uh, back on Sunday um, after tweeting out, you know, um, some of my uh, numbers around the Wilds kind of goal scoring since the Kaprizov injury. Um, and wondering, he said, do you think the uptick in scoring is influenced by where we're at in the post-trade deadline schedule? My guess is that would be referring to playing some non-playoff teams in Arizona, St. Louis, San Jose, um, those types of matchups where the Wild did put up quite a bit um, of those uh, 25 goals. So um, this would be prior to... Um, the New Jersey game. So the Wild had five mm-hmm. um, five games. They scored 24 times in that stretch. So um, I want to talk about something called positive regression to kind of answer this question. So, again, the question, do I, do I think that the uptick in scoring was influenced by where we're at in the trade deadline schedule? I think the answer to that question is yes and no. Um, like, I think the phrase is always throwing around like, oh, this guy's due to score, this team's due to score. But like, what does that mean? And I think regression is a really good way to address that. I think I've maybe talked about this a little bit a while back. Um, just to kind of put in perspective what that means. So um, in the previous 12 games, the Wild had scored 25 goals total. And then, of course, now 24 in the last five, excluding the New Jersey game. Um, but in that previous 12-game stretch before that, 25 goals were expected based on expected goals models to score about 37. Um, so 12 fewer than expected. They were shooting at just 
and a half percent, 25 goals on 387 shots. And then we saw maybe that luck, if you will, turn around a little bit. They had 24 goals on 18.17 expected goals, so nearly six more uh, than expected. Got the team shooting percentage up to 14.2%, 24 goals on 169 shots. So obviously, as we saw last night, that you know, you're not going to shoot at 14% for the whole year. Um, I mm-hmm. believe the NHL leader right now in shooting percentage um, is the Edmonton Oilers, obviously led by two of the best goal scorers yeah. in the world in McDavid and Dreisaitl. Um, and that team, I think, is about 11, just over 11%. Um, league median falls right around 10%. Um, and coming into this last stretch, um, including actually this last stretch, the Wild are shooting at 9.2%, which is 28th in the league. So they're generating chances they haven't been finishing those chances and now we've seen maybe some of that luck start turn around for them positively regress back toward that median of 10 percent so while i don't think they'll slip back to six and a half percent i don't think they're gonna maintain 14 and a half they'll fall somewhere in the middle kind of positively regress maybe more in that eight to ten percent range where they'll maybe score half a goal more you know per every two games or something along those lines i don't know what it'll come out to be but i think it's interesting to look at um you know, and I think you look at a guy mm-hmm. like Kirill Kaprizov, um, another way that this is called of uh, his finishing ability, um, where you're scoring on a higher percentage of your shots. You know, better shooters like Kaprizov are probably going to be, you know, shooting at, they might be able to maintain a 14% shooting percentage, but other players aren't. Uh, you know, a good example of negative regression, Marcus Foligno, right? Previous two seasons, I think, led the NHL in shooting percentage. I think last year it was like 28.5%. I think the year before it was like 23%. <laughs> I think this year it's like dipped down to like four or five percent. Obviously, yeah. it's an extreme case, but you're going to see fluctuations. We know Marcus Foligno doesn't have the best shot in the league, but a guy like Kaprizov does. So that's kind of what regression is: is just like the numbers suggest one way or another. Either hey, you probably should be scoring more, or hey, the numbers suggest maybe you shouldn't be scoring quite as much, um, and that things normally will kind of balance out. Obviously, there's teams like the Ducks who are just that bad don't have a lot of great goal scores or some and you know teams like the the Oilers where they're probably going to score a little bit more than expected or the Bruins because they just have talent so mm-hmm. other factors at play obviously expected goals models too only run about 75 to 80 percent accurate so there's going to be some fluctuations in what those actual numbers look like too um, but thought it was a great question thought it was a good opportunity to kind of explain what that looks like hopefully it, it makes some sense but um, something I wanted to bring up on the podcast because it was a, a good question with me I always love when we get those in the mentions. Yeah. No, it's yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Obviously, you know, like you mentioned, they're not going to keep scoring, you know, five six goals a game very consistently. But like, like you also said, they don't necessarily even need to be scoring, you know, that this much because you know we've seen before. Obviously, uh, before this little stretch, they were winning a lot of the two to one, three two games, and that's kind of the style. Like we saw in New Jersey last night that you know they've been playing and that they obviously seem to know that they need to play if they want to have long-term success this year so you know obviously you mean we know they can do that but you know it's good i mean like everyone knows it's good that you know they're getting that depth scoring that you mentioned earlier brett because obviously before kreisov went out you know he was literally the only one scoring or at least it seemed i think he scored like 45 percent of their goals in a stretch of a few games so yeah it's uh it, it's good either way because the you know they've Obviously, we're going to it's good that it came right at the exact time, pretty much that they you know needed it the most. So, And that stretch where they had 25 goals in 12 games, Kaprizov had nine of them. And I think it factored into like 11 of them directly. <laughs> and I've probably been on the ice for another handful of them, too. Yeah. Well, didn't they go like a bunch of periods of like 250 minutes? Yeah, without it was basically him? like Kaprizov and Duhame were the only ones that scored. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I was I was looking back too, and it was even against the bad teams where we weren't scoring. So mm-hmm. I guess schedule is not always <clears throat> the indicator because right. we weren't scoring against teams like Columbus, and I don't know that the Islanders are bad, but uh, I mean only scoring a couple two what mm-hmm. no more than three goals a game against no matter who we're playing. Um, yeah. It was just kind of finding that ground between last year's scoring team and, and this year's non-scoring team. Right. And we had, you know, I think the other thing too is, you know, the 5v5 offense. I mean, there was that stretch where it was like 0-1 or 2 5 5 goals against yeah. or 4 for like a stretch of like 15 games. And granted, I think they've had a couple power play goals recently. Um, but, of you know, they've scored, what now is it, 20, 
six without Kaprizov. Um, I'd yeah, wager to bet, that. you know, that 20 of those are probably at even strength. So either 5v5, 4 and 4 or 3 on 3. I can actually get that here. Hang on. Because I'm actually curious now that we're talking about it, about how many yeah. of those have been at even strength. So, uh, we had two two of the five goals for San Jose were power play. Yeah, so at even strength yeah. since the injury, 3, 4, 5, 1, 5, 2. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, there was that stretch. Here, let me find it. Back like January, starting like January nineteenth, one one zero two one two zero zero one 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 zero, and then since then three two two one two one two three zero four three four five one five two. Like the five v five scoring has come a long way, been yeah. a little bit at the expense of the power play, unfortunately. Um, but you know, I think that's it's just things like that. I think can't get overlooked. I think. You know, these guys are finding some confidence in their game with, you know, finding ways to score. You know, Mason Shaw, Ryan Reeves, Oscar Sundquist, mm-hmm. Marcus Johansson has continued to look phenomenal. Um, Drew Erickson Eck is seeing some 5v5 production, um, which has been really great to see. They're seeing, you know, even some more production from the blue line. Um, you know, guys getting yep. in on plays, jumping up into rushes, getting points from the back end. Um, and it just, it's, they're such a harder team to play against, and all of a sudden you have to defend three lines instead of one. Um, when Kaprizov comes back, I think that's going to be a real problem for teams with you know this newfound confidence in goal scoring that this team has. Um, so you know, I, th- I think Anson, Har- Anson Carter caught a little heat for um, saying this. I think on the TNT broadcast because I think it was taken out of context. Um, but yeah. he said something like Kirill Kaprizov getting injured is like could be the best thing to happen to the Wild. And I think this is kind of what he was alluding to in the sense of hey, if this team can prove they can score without Kaprizov build that confidence mm-hmm. when he comes back, they're going to be a juggernaut. Um, so mm-hmm. you know, we've had our beef with Carter in the past, but I think that's the point he was making and I don't disagree with it. Yeah. 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 I was going to say another thing too with this team is uh, like you said, the five V five scoring is up and the power play scoring might be down, but this team is it, when one part of the game is lacking, they're picking it up in another area, whether it has to be the power of the play, the penalty kill, the five versus five, whatever it has to be. Seems like they're doing it and, and just finding ways to get uh, not only wins but points, even if they lose games. They're bringing it to overtime and uh, playing those hard-fought games against really good teams even and, and coming away with at least a point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, yeah. Go ahead, Zeke. No, you, go ahead. You, you, oh, I was just going to say, you know, and then looking forward, you know, some winnable games on the schedule before you know, a pretty tough portion here. Philadelphia, Zeke, as you mentioned off the hop, a 5.30 puck drop. I don't know why it's so early. Yeah, that's odd. It's a really early puck drop. Um, 5.30 in Philadelphia tomorrow. I think Philadelphia's won like three times in their last like 16. Um, Chicago, obviously a bottom-feeding team. Uh, 4 o'clock puck drop on Saturday. Um, and then Sweet. Seattle, who let us down mightily last night, um, unable to close out the Stars. Granted, I think it was a missed call that led to the goal. Um, and then some really big stretch of games um, starting a week from today. Colorado and then a home-and-home home with Vegas. Um, which could probably ultimately determine where the Wild finish in the seeding, um, depending on how they play in those three games. And then round out, the season pretty much wraps up. After that, you got Pittsburgh, St. Louis, Chicago, Winnipeg, Nashville, and then it is the postseason. So just 11 games left on the schedule. And the Wild, you know, obviously pretty securely in a playoff spot, I think, sitting as we are now, second place, 90 points. Uh, What's the update on that Colorado-Pittsburgh game, Zeke? 3-1, third period right now. So Okay. And that would, so I that, think the Avs would still have would game they, in hand. They still have, yeah, because yeah, I think they get 70 while they're at 71, I think. Yeah. Right now. Yep. So Avs still a game in hand, but then would be two points back. Or one, uh, are they one, point one game in hand. I think they're, I think they're one point back. back. Yeah. yeah, they're two points behind us. Yeah, so it you know, gives them a chance to, to sit atop the division, but some big games coming up, chance to bank some points. And um, I believe the Kaprizov timeline – for three weeks is next Thursday, if I recall correctly, I think. Yeah. Um, so, you know, right in time for maybe some of those big games, you know, could he be back for the Colorado game a week from today? Maybe. I think that would be right on the early part of that. Um, otherwise, it seems, you know, potentially he would miss mm-hmm. both uh, of those Colorado Vegas games. But, you know, we'll see. But um, it's, I mean, I don't know. I, I guess, I guess it seems like, you know, would you just want to take your time? I mean, yeah. 
especially if I you're would. securely in a playoff spot. So, I mean, obviously you want to get home ice and potentially win the division, but you're going to have to be good teams no matter where you're playing. So, yeah. 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 But that's the, that, I mean, that's the biggest, you know, you talked about them building the confidence, you know, with him out. I mean, that's, uh, you know, it's pretty much the perfect time. Like you said, 10 games left to be feeling real good about yourself going into, you know, a tough for stretch game and in the playoffs. Cause I mean, you know, we've seen, we obviously know what can happen you know, in, in hockey in the playoffs. And if you, you know, it's just like a lot of things in life and in sports. If you got confidence, you know, that's most of the time that's half the battle right there is if you, if you believe you can do it, you know, there's a much better chance you can do it than, you know, where if you're just kind of fumbling around, you know, just going through the motions, you know, you're not going to go anywhere, but it's, you know, it's a little bit like last year with obviously the closeness to this team that, you know, they like each other a lot. It seems to be a great atmosphere and, you know, lots of sometimes a lot of times you can ride that uh, that wave of good feelings pretty pretty far. So, you know, good to see them keeping that up and being really well with some of the injury and health adversity lately. All right. Uh moving on from Minnesota Wild Talks. I think we hit on all the key points there. Uh mm-hmm. NCA tournament is coming up. Unfortunately for general Minnesota hockey fans, pretty much a worst-case scenario unfolded um, as the top overall-seeded Gophers um, playing in Fargo, so hostile environment, and then two of the three other teams um, in their bracket, St. Cloud State and Minnesota State, um, and Cato, and then uh, Kinesis, the 16th seed in the tournament um, also. So kind of a shitty situation. Seems like Minnesota got – Minnesota as a state uh, got kind of done dirty by the NCAA committee clearly seems they're trying to get an east first west type of matchup um you know i think st cloud was like i think like six i think in the pairwise i think mankato finished around 12 so like maybe seeding wise but i think you could argue st cloud maybe one of the best number two seeds Mm -hmm. um which means they probably shouldn't be in the in the same you know but it'll make for entertainment you know i think for the uh uh, you know, for the first couple rounds there. You know, as a Mankato fan, it sucks because, you know, you know, want to see to, to go through those two teams. Granted, you know, the Gopher or the Gophers have been a relatively easy opponent for for Mankato lately, but I think, you know, St. Cloud, you know, just kind of breezed through the NCHC, played a really good championship <laughs> game. Um, I think the Gophers are going to come out really pissed off after, you know, suffering another home loss to Michigan in the Big Ten. Um, but beyond that, too, Wild have four players playing in the tournament. Justin, if you want to hit on uh, who that'll be. Uh, yeah, it'll be Ryan Healy with Harvard. We're going to have Jack Peart with St. Cloud State, Brock Faber with Minnesota, and then the last one is Rieger Lorenz with Denver. Perfect. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm just kind of looking forward to it. You know, a lot of years I want to believe my, Ma- my Mavericks heal the distance, but – um, I think I did in my bracket um, have to swallow my pride a little bit. I think I did have them losing to St. Cloud um, in that opening game. More so, just they've they've struggled to score a little bit lately, mm-hmm. um, and that concerns me. You know, they were able to squeak by with the WCHA playoffs. I think uh, playing against some some lesser teams, but it took you know a goddamn miracle to win the championship game. Wow. Um, for those that aren't Mankato fans, they were down okay. two zip um, with under two minutes to play. Pulled the goalie, scored twice, um, and then went on to win in overtime. Um, and at the time, they're playing Northern Michigan, um, who had not given up a goal in the tournament yet. So, granted, their their goaltending defense had been playing well, um, but Mankato squeaked it out. But I, I just I worry a little bit if they can find the back of the net. So, um, well, I mean, we we thought that uh, in Duluth every year they won that they didn't seem like they're going to be able to score. So, yeah, if you can lock you it down, it. maybe. Yeah. And maybe it just takes Mankato being an underdog instead of the favorite. Who knows? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> you gotta. You gotta have the hunter shepherd vibes where he wins you one goal games yeah. every game through the tournament yeah, yeah. so i will say i i did end up picking the gophers you know the, the number one overall seed is kind of boring but i think you just look at you know one of the best defensive players in the country in favor mm-hmm. arguably the best line in the country with Nyes, cooley um and snuggerud um and i think you know that 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 loss against Michigan, I think, you know, in many ways might be a good thing to happen to him because it's going to piss him off, motivate him to go win the tournament, you know, that really matters. So, um, you know, I think as long as they kind of keep their heads and don't let the pressure get to him, I think they've got, you know, I think they have the best chance they've been, you know, arguably the best team in the country pretty consistently all year. So, 
um, just a couple losses at, at their home. But mm-hmm. I really like the Gophers. But um, I'll hang up and listen now to see you know any other uh, opinions, thoughts you guys have. Yeah. Your your pick to win uh, the NCAA tournament. I wouldn't say. Go ahead, Justin. Sorry. I was gonna say I haven't done a bracket quite yet, but honestly, you know, looking at it quickly now, I, I, it would be hard pressed for me to go against Minnesota. Uh, it's hard for me to say as a Bulldogs fan, but I honestly don't hate them as much as I used to. Now that my kids are becoming Gophers fans, softening the heart a little bit. So, uh, <laughs> kind of those moments where I get to watch the games with them and they're, ha- ex- ex- and you've a wild prospect because, to watch and cheer for. Which yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. You get to watch Faber. They're a good team. It's I mean, we've gone to like two or three other games this year, and my kids love it. So, uh, for that alone, I'm gonna pick Minnesota because uh, I mean, they like you said, they've been number one at the top for a good chunk of the year, and just it's they're a really good freaking team. <laughs> they're really good. Yeah, I will say, you know, I don't have necessarily a favorite either. I mean, obviously, Michigan is in there too. They've been ranked up high all this year too. Obviously, you know, Adam Fantilli. Uh, Couple other guys there. I can't remember names Rutger exactly. McGrordy. Yeah, Samus Kevich is good. Samus Kevich. I think McGrordy had a hat trick against the Gophers the other night. Yeah. I, I don't know if he got, well, actually, I don't know if he tipped the third one or not. It was close, but. Yeah. So they got, yeah, they got, they have some high end talent too, so they're good. Yeah, they can keep getting away with kicking the net off too. They'll be in good shape. Well, yeah. <laughs> right as a rebound, comes right out into the slot. <laughs> we know, we see you, Matt Murray. You know, you play for Michigan now. Uh, but yeah, no, it's, it'll, it'll be fun. I know I'm trying to think, I know Quinnipiac is one of the top seeds. Don't know much about them. So yeah, it seems think, like they're always, who are the, the like four top always, seeds? I think it's Michigan, Michigan, Minnesota, Quinnipiac, Quinnipiac, Minnesota, and Denver. 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 Oh yeah. Well, Denver's always, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of good teams like Denver's they're stacked, especially at the top. And then yeah, even teams like Harvard who has like Matthew Coronado, yeah, uh, I think when we had our prospect show, we talked about, you know, why, um, is it Healy that's in Harvard? Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, hasn't seen a lot of ice time because they have, I think, seven drafted NHL prospects on their blue line. All of them are, like, sophomores, juniors, seniors. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, they, they're deep on the blue line, good defensive team. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it, I think that's what kind of makes this year interesting is, you, you know, you have the Gophers who are kind of the offensive powerhouse. You have Michigan who, you know, lies heavily on, you know, kind of a top six forward group, a team like Harvard, you know, the team defense. It's kind of some different than you have, you know, your typical NCHC, CCHA teams that are a little bit older, a little more well-rounded, balanced. Uh, maybe don't have that, like, that one line that can kind of break open a game, but, you know, four lines that will come at you all game long. Um, which I think will make for a really interesting tournament in terms of just the way, you know, some of these really good teams are are built. Yeah, I think, you know, the other, I just kind of thought of it, the other, you know, interesting team to watch. I mean, this is, you know, obviously out in BU with Lane Hudson having a great freshman year. It'll be fun to see him play, actually get a chance to watch him. I think they're playing Western Michigan. So that'll be of note just to see some of the higher end uh, prospects kind of every year is always, is always fun. So. I'm looking at uh, the NCAA's stats now, and uh, basically we're seeing the top one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight point getters in the nation in the tournament, and then nine Bowling Green. The guy plays for Bowling Green. He's not uh, in the tournament, obviously. But then the next one, two, three, four players after that. Like there's top scores all throughout this tournament, whether it's you know, with Michigan, Harvard has a couple of big names up there. Minnesota, obviously, Quinnipiac has a guy number three. It's just there is a ton of point getters in this tournament, and uh, we see uh, shootouts in this thing. For sure. And I believe those kick off tomorrow. I don't know what time the first game is. I don't have the bracket uh, in front of me, uh, but I assume it's probably an oh, afternoon game. I know the Minnesota games. I believe, Zeke, you mentioned the Gophers are like eight-something, and I think the McGill yeah. St. Cloud game is – Five or five thirty. There's, there's one o'clock. There, I think they, yeah, they're, they're one o'clock is the first game tomorrow. Boston U and Western Michigan. So future Wild Jason Poland is playing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, then uh, oh, yeah, then there's yeah, there's the uh, the Mankato St. Cloud, and then there's a three, and then there's uh. Denver Cornell's at three thirty, so kind of so all the the Mankato St. Cloud's three o'clock. Yeah, three central. And then yeah. Gophers are eight. 
Actually, actually, it's four central for the bank. Okay. Sorry, that's right. Right. yeah, and then Gophers are at eight. So, got it. So, it should be a great weekend of hockey, wild play, NCAA play. Uh, if you're a basketball fan, Sweet 16, always some good games in there. It's like the one time you right somewhat pay attention to basketball. Um, <laughs> but yeah, all right, so let's get in to our final segment. We haven't done a game or a draft on here in quite some time. Um, we have a little bit of extra time today, so figure we'd bring a game back. Feel free to play along as you listen here. So this game, very simple game, Who Am I? Uh, all these uh, players are, at one point, uh, Minnesota Wild players. Um, have played some of them you know, longer wild careers, some of them short wild careers. Um, but basically, you will get um, five total clues. The clues will... They'll, We'll start off broad, get a little more specific, and uh, the first one of you um, to get the correct player will get the point. Um, first one to three points wins. The catch is once you guess, if you are wrong, you can't guess again until the other person guesses. Um, so if you think you know it, you have to weigh, okay, am I confident enough to buzz in? Um, so you can just make a noise, say your name, whatever, if you want to guess. Um, are the rules clear? Yes. Yes. All right. So here is the first player. I played with the Wild from 2010 to 2012. You know, that really narrows the list down. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of roster spots there. (laughs) Clue number two. I also played for Montreal, Toronto, and Ottawa. Clue number three. I was the only player in Minnesota Wild history to wear number 48. Hmm. All right. Clue number four. I'm from the same Canadian province as Mark andre Fleury. Oh, I thought that would be the giveaway. And the final clue, I have one of the best names... In team history. Oh, I think Justin had it as I was reading Clue Five, so I'm gonna let him go first. <laughs> okay. I, La- no, I think I'm wrong. Guillaume Latondres. It is Guillaume Latondres. Ah, yeah. The giveaway was the funny name. I was like, yeah. Oh. I, th- I, I thought I maybe remember. the flurry clue would give it away, but <laughs> the the Montreal thing was what got me. I couldn't remember who else he played for, but I think oh. that made me think yeah. Latondres. Yeah. All right, so Justin gets the first point. Here we go. Player number two. After my playing career, I got into hockey broadcasting. Clue number two. I'm a Minnesota-born player. Justin? Ryan Carter? It is not Ryan Carter. Ah! My trick clue worked. Damn it! Clue number three, I only spent one year of my NHL career in Minnesota. Zeke, that you can wait because Justin can't guess again until you guess. My dad played for the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, Oh, uh, JT Brown? It is JT Brown. The last clue would be I am a UMD Bulldog alumni. Okay. Son of a gun, I should have (laughs) waited. My little trickery the, uh, worked. I, I fell into the trap. <laughs> I got the uh, his dad uh, was Viking because when we were uh, when I was young, you know, my uh, one of our family cousins was on the team, and uh, his dad was down in the hallway, and we talked to him. So I just kind of clicked for you. Popped into my head. So all right, one one player number three. Here we go. I had three hundred and thirty-eight points in six hundred and seventy-three career NHL games. Only thirteen of those points came in my stint in Minnesota. Beep. Just or er, Zeke. I think this is going to be wrong. I think about it, but uh, Benoit Pouliot. It's not Benoit Pouliot. Okay. Good guess. <clears throat> Clue number three. I was a trade deadline acquisition by the Wild. Clue number four, I'm a center. Beep. Buzz. Oh, he goes for, yeah. yeah. I forgot, sorry. <laughs> Martin Hansel. It is Martin Hansel. Oh. 
And the clue number That's five in the dead giveaway, I was a key piece in arguably the worst trade in franchise history. <laughs> Definitely would have got it then. <laughs> it was worse see. than Cam Barker. <laughs> yeah. Did yeah. you guys, uh, did you see that? I posted a picture. There was a guy at the high school championship game with the Hansel Wild jersey on. So I did not see that. Me. He had to have like, like, lost a bet or something to buy that. I know. Right? It was like, he There's no way someone's like, yeah, I'm buying that right away. I know. It was like, holy <laughs> crap. All right. So Justin could potentially win the game here with a correct answer. So Zeke needs to tread carefully. Does he buzz in early, take a shot, tie the game? Does he buy his time? We shall see. Here we go. Clue number one. I'm going to really narrow it down. I'm a defenseman. (laughs) (laughs) Clue number two. I was drafted by the Wild in the third round, 79th overall in 2004. God. Clue number three, Minnesota is only one of two places I played during my eight-year NHL career. Clue number four, despite playing 227 games for the Wild, I only scored four goals. Babe. Zeke. Justin Falk. It is not Justin Falk. Ah. Good guess, okay. though. The, the F-A-L-K one, not the bad one, not the good yeah, one. No. And what should be a giveaway <laughs> clue for Justin, I had a fan yeah, favorite geez. last name. It's someone who likes weed. Wait, what was the last clue? I had a fan favorite last name. It's someone hmm. who likes weed. Clayton Stoner. It is Clayton Stoner. Oh, I forgot about him. Oh, my God. Stoner, dead giveaway. So Justin catches the victory 3-1. to Zeke, Justin Falk, a good guess. He was one of the players I did consider for this. I was like, ah, would they remember him? I don't know. Because he was like, it was like, eh. But we have one more. We'll do it for fun. Um, this This is the deep cut here, early Minnesota Wild. Um was drafted by the L.A. Kings in 1994. He was a part of the original Minnesota Wild expansion team. He's the all-time leader in Wild history in penalty minutes with 698. Buzz Willie Mitchell? It is not Willie Mitchell. Good guess. Clue number four, I have an extremely basic name. Oh, beep. Zeke. Uh, I believe his name is Matt Johnson. It is Matt Johnson. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know how I I don't know how I know that name because I would not have been alive even when yeah. he was there. I would have been like beginning of my high school years pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Well, the only reason I have like good recollection. So growing up, uh, we had family friends that were the Johnsons. And at the same time, oh. Matt Johnson played Jason Marshall also played so it was like oh. <laughs> oh we had the family friends that were the marshals and the johnson and there was also the wild players that were marshall and johnson that's like the only reason i remember <laughs> matt johnson clue number five would have been he wore jersey number 12 um, well, that one. That one. i don't know if that would have helped or not but uh, a lot of good wild players to wear 12 boldy ralston oh, matt yeah. johnson, matt johnson. <laughs> so that'll do it for the trivia hopefully uh you know if you manage to beat Zeke or Justin, any one of these, uh, feel free to shoot us an at. Um, if you have one you'd like to challenge yeah. us with, tweet it at us. We'll retweet it um, so people can guess who it is. But uh, that kind of wraps up our show for this week. Uh, nearing crunch time, you know, 11 games left in the regular yep. season. College hockey playoffs are here. Um, this, is, this is where, you know, the game. every game counts, every game matters. The Wild, you know, I don't think a lot of people – uh, a couple months ago, would have thought this team would be independent for not only the Central Division, uh, but also potentially for the Western Conference. Um, some mm-hmm. winnable games coming up, and then a very important part of the schedule with games against Colorado, two against Vegas. Uh, so, you know, all that said, guys, here, any final thoughts? Not much. Just, you know, like you said, exciting last few weeks, uh, you know, great chance here to potentially win the division. So, you know, just like uh, it'll be, it'll be fun. Let's go. 
I, I don't think mine's a final thought like hockey related, but kind of is because it's same same network. But I uh, just want to wish Marty Gellner best wishes after finding out about oh. cancer. Uh, I've also b- battled a different kind of cancer, but uh, if you're listening to this, don't be afraid to ever just get a checkup for, uh, you know, your skin, your breasts, whatever, anything. Uh, it could catch it early and save your life. Absolutely. And then my final thought, also not really a thought, more of a shout out. Good shout out to friend of the pod, Alex Micheletti, celebrating a birthday uh, today yes. on March 22nd. So happy birthday, friend. Hope it was a good one and hope that the Wild uh, deliver a belated win for you tomorrow night against the Flyers. And if they don't, well, they just got you an early gift on Tuesday instead. Um, but that'll pretty much do it uh, for us. Uh, I believe before we have a Wednesday game next week. So we will either be a Tuesday or a Thursday show next week, depending on our schedules. So... Um, if you don't see one next Thursday uh, in your feeds, that's why, because um, of a Wednesday game, which they like to do to throw us off. Um, but that said, Justin, why don't you remind everyone where they can find you and all of your work? You can find me at the East 2004. You can find me at C with the Kaprizov Countdown. You can find me at MNW Prospects with MNW Young Guns. You can find me at Pipeline UMD with UMD Bulldogs Pipeline. Nailed it. Zeke. Boom. Yeah, you can uh, find me on Twitter at Zeke Boyat with capital Z and capital B. And as always, if you want to connect with me at all, that's where you'll find me. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Marsh 92. Be sure you are following the podcast account as well at Sound the Foghorn, all one word, both on Twitter and Instagram. Philadelphia, Chicago, Seattle, for sure before our next show, potentially Colorado as well the wild independent for the central division title as well as the western conference title Kirill Kaprizov hopefully nearing a return team getting healthy points in 16 of their last 17 26 goals in their last six games they are a fun team to watch and we will hope for more of the same in this upcoming stretch with some winnable games against the Blackhawks and Flyers We'll be back with you next week. Great weekend of hockey ahead. Be sure to enjoy it. We'll break it all down for you next week. But until then, this has been another episode of 